Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You're listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast. Today we have on Brian Balberni. And he is the uh, CEO and founder of Issuer Direct. Uh, Brian, welcome to the show. Eric, thank you. A pleasure. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, and it's cool because a few years ago, we talked a little bit about your company on the show. So now it's cool to have the CEO and founder of the business on. That is, that is, that is flattering. It's nice to hear. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about you, know, you, you, your background, how you started this company. You know, I think it's interesting. It, it, uh, yeah, it's a strange and interesting story. Um, I come from a compliance and communications background. Um, we, um, in a prior life, had a company called uh, Catapult Consulting. And we helped public companies uh, handle SOX, coastal framework, and understanding financial reporting obligations. And, and the great thing about that business and the rewarding thing is we got to talk to hundreds of officers and directors, taught them how to manage this process. And what we quickly discovered is that financial data was moved around via email. Not very secure. Yeah. The data was not very well organized and, and or out of spreadsheets only is where it was. So we built a product in less than 90 days, ran to market um, 2006. I had sold Catapult, took everything I had and literally downsized my family life to start this business. And um, we built a product called MyEdgar. It ended up being the first regulatory product in the cloud to help public companies financially report to the SEC here in the US, CDAR in Canada. The, the great thing about that is when you're a disruptor in the space, you, you get a lot of attention. So being first to market is important, right? In a lot of degrees, but yeah. sometimes that doesn't necessarily mean you're gonna be successful. And, and uh, we ended up you know, being moderately successful for that uh, era. But as you can remember that 2006, you're asking a CFO to take all of their financial data and move it to the cloud. It's not a bad thing. Just they go down the hall to the IT director and say, we need to do this. And he says, no, you're not doing it. CTO, you know, it, so we sold the first hundred, long story short, um, but we couldn't sell 101 of them. So candidly, we're a year into the business and we're like, what the heck are we gonna do? My Edgar is, what is this? Right. But our model and strategy really was built around the ecosystem of a public company from beginning of the financial disclosure or the communication path, all the way to the end result to a current shareholder or a prospective audience of shareholders, a channel. Um, and that's how Issue Direct was born. Interesting. So now tell us a little bit about what, what Issue Direct actually does. Yes, so uh, we are, uh, an easy way to, to think of it is we are the public company company. We help public companies comply, communicate, stay within the regulatory boundaries of the world or exchange they live in and take their message and get it to the hands of shareholders like you and I. Uh, so we build technologies to do that, whether it's regulatory reporting or news distribution and earnings events, everything that a public company needs or touches from a C-level executive can be done from our platform ID subscription. Now, now walk us through, um, you know, when you went, when you first, what year did you guys go public? Uh, 2010. Okay. So walk us through a little bit about how your business model has changed over time or, you know, cause I, I know in your investor reports, you talk about sort of the earlier businesses and how you become more of a SaaS company. So can you, can you go a little bit into that? 
Yeah, we, we, we were a capital intensive company to begin with, right? We had um, dozens of people sitting in rooms we used to call our Edgar Service Bureau, right? Where, where people were 24 seven converting documents. And when it was uh, approved, it went to the press or the digital press right there in our building. Um, you know, not a very scalable business, very commoditized, low margin services organization. But, you know, look, with all due respect to it, relative to our peers, we perform better on an EBITDA or gross margin and EBITDA level. So it, it wasn't a bad business. Why, why, why do you think that is? What's that? Why, why do you think that is, that you were performing better than your peers? I think that the technology that we had, remember we started with this cloud software package. We knew right. how to convert documents. So we took that environment and made it a service bureau concept, meaning our staff did the work using our technology. So our model back then was better, faster, cheaper, right? We could do it better, faster, and cheaper than anybody in the market. And we proved it to those customers. Um, and as a result, we got to print their materials and mail them to shareholders too. So that services business that we had some operating leverage was very short-lived and it wasn't, you couldn't grow it in mass, right? There wasn't mm -hmm. an ability to have critical mass to that business. So we started to make the pivot. To your point is we knew the technology needed to come back from our founding principles to get there. So over the last four years, we've been making that shift. Four years ago, 25% of our revenue was reoccurring SaaS subscription, we had message a year and a half ago, we wanted to get to 70%. I think we ended uh, uh, last quarter at 74%. So 74% 74 of our overall revenues are SaaS reoccurring sub subscription-based products. Okay. Um, it's an accomplishment, but we still have more to go. Yeah. Now, can you walk us through the different um, business units of, of the company? So um, two pillars of strength, right? It's communications and compliance. So we'll, we'll deal with the legacy part first, which is this compliance business. Um, customers, public companies all over the world that need to report to their exchanges uh, and regulatory bodies, specifically in North America, um, have a financial reporting module. This is the module they, like 2006, right? They convert their documents, submit to the SEC. Um, a, a module that can manage their shareholders as a stock transfer agent. Um, and then collect votes and manage the annual meeting process. And, and probably more appropriately now because of COVID have a virtual annual meeting. Some of those components make up our legacy businesses. Um, inside of that, there is a little bit of printing. Um, not much to talk about there. Everybody yep. gets so what the printing process is. Um, and then conversely, the growth segment or the higher subscription segment of our business and higher gross margin products are focused around investor relations platforms, um, uh, press releases, uh, earnings events, uh, and the like of shareholder distribution. Um, and mm -hmm. what that really is, is makes up our scalable product platform that allows us to get outside of the public company to more of a private or SMB sized business. So you think about companies in the markets that you may be um, or have had access to in the past, or some of your listeners have had access to, to invest in early stage companies. Companies are thinking about reaching a public market at some point in their ecosystem or their lifespan. Those are the businesses that we want to do business with. Those companies need to tell their story. They need to find shareholders. They need to host events. They need to have annual meetings. Those components um, are very important to them, much like they are a public company. Mm -hmm. So for us, our communication subscription product um, fits both public and private. So, so part of our next 12 to 24 month strategy is to sterilize the concepts of public and private and just be about having a platform for mm -hmm. a company that carries a message from A to Z. Now, can you walk us through if I'm if I'm a company, either public or private, what that looks like? You know, actually working with you guys and 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 some of the use cases. 
Yeah, it, it's, it starts with a message, right? You have something to do. I want to tell somebody something. And, and so I'm going to give you a viewpoint of what it is today. And I and maybe give you a sneak peek of what it's going to be in the next couple of months and quarters as we roll out some of these new advancements. Today, awesome. a customer comes in and says, um, I have a story to tell. I have a press release I need to run. And, and let's, let's use some examples. Maybe it's a private company or public, doesn't matter, that signed a new partnership, right? This new partnership needs to be announced. So a company logs into our platform with the click of a couple of buttons, they're creating their event. And that event is this story. And, and our platform is going to ask you to upload it, going to draft it. it. It handles all the technology for you on the web. And it will allow you to add different events to the sequence. Hmm. And, and that event may be the partnership is so material to our customers and to our shareholders in the markets. We, we may want to do a virtual component to this, right? People used to call them webinars. We'll just call them virtual events for today, um, where you and I can get online and do something like this. So we have technology and our webcast tool to time the event with a broadcast. Hmm. If you, add it, you flip it to think about a public company that in the same example, it becomes an earnings event, right? Right, right. Earnings advisory press release, the earnings press release, a webcast earnings call, a transcript, all of those things are platform walks our customer through selecting the components they need based on the algorithms that our platform has. Mm. So the, the competitive advantage, and as you can probably see now, is that customers can log into one platform to do everything that they need to move this story or message to the market, rather than using a press release company, a webcast company, a media intelligence company, a PR agency, you get it, right? Yes. The yeah. silos are vast there and very complex. And, and those complex uh, issues cause higher prices, they cause inaccurate data, confusion of who owns the pen on the document. Um, so we're able to sterilize a lot of this for our clients. Now, do you see staying focused in small in, in working with smaller type businesses, you know, not, not working with the Googles and Microsofts of the world? Yeah, it's, you know, I'm fortunate enough to, to have a business that has scale in the, the, the private and small cap spaces. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that we don't have large cap companies, right? Mm -hmm. I personally manage Sherwin Williams, um, okay. the, uh, Kellogg's, those are customers of ours. Um, the Several months ago when Ford announced a new CEO, they used our technology to do it. Oh. And Johnson and Johnson does all of their COVID response webinars and, and webcast to the public and the internal, they use our products. Oh, interesting. Right? So, yeah, it, it's it's actually a really, when you peel the onion back in this company, it's not just about micro caps and small caps. We do business with some of the world's largest brands. Um, you know, perhaps we just need to be telling that story. I was going to say, I think there might be some misconception in the market about that. Absolutely. Um, you know, look, it's, it's probably one that we all hate, but we all do it every year, the IRS. Mm. All of e-learning is done via our platform. So if you went to the e-learning step, our, our pages in the IRS, you would find our technology power and all of that for them. Fasc fascinating. It, it, it is. It really is. Now, now, what had you want to go public? Um, truth be told, I don't think that we anticipated wanting to go public when we did, right? Okay. In fairness, um, yeah. we, we had an opportunity um, between uh, two other organizations and ourselves to put together a triangular you know, product platform, right? We had the technology, one had the money, one had the customers, right? It made sense. Okay. Yeah, each of us brought a component to the table that uh, could have been something maybe special. Um, we went down the product uh, platform of building the technology to enable this transaction, um, found the vehicle to do it, 
and they backed out at the last minute. Hmm. We made the commitment. So, you know, look for us in hindsight now, I think it's a great thing because we were able to say to the small cap space, hey, we eat our own dog food. Right. Let, let us show you how to do this, right? Let us show you how to comply and communicate with the market at a fraction of the cost and be successful doing it. Um, and, and it's worked well for us. And, and when did you go, you went public in 2010, right? Yeah, to NYSE in 2010, yeah. And, we, and when were you actually, when did the business actually start? Yeah, 2006. So okay. by 2007, we were listed in OTC, but we really didn't hit an exchange until 2010 when we ended up at NYSE. And, and, and what had you want to um, move up to a major exchange and not stay OTC? Um, th th there was a couple things. Um, as you go up to, we talked about Kellogg's and Sherwin-Williams and all these companies. Yeah. It's difficult to go into a larger account and have some credibility at the table when you're an OTC listed company. And, that, and that's nothing okay. against the OTC markets, yeah. right? I think they're a great ecosystem for, for, for startup businesses trying to figure it out. But again, we're the compliance folks, right? right? We have to have a little more credibility. And that came with a partnership with NYSE. So we're part of the subsidy program for newly listed IPOs to have our product platform uh, to be available to them. So it was a strategic uh, change for us and, and our uplisting, if you think about it that way. Mm -hmm. And it's done well for us as far as customer acquisition. And then, so in, in terms of strategy of growing shareholder value, you know, how do you look at capital allocation? How do you look at growth? How do you look at all of that? Yeah, it's, it's we, for the size of the company we are, with less than 4 million shares issued and outstanding and, and yeah. 20 million in cash and on the balance sheet with a clean, wonderful balance sheet, um, we, we view it very easily. Um, and we've talked about this in our earnings events uh, separately. We have three, three components to this. One is we, we measure cash flow from operations on a 12-month period retro back and allocate a third of that cash flow from operations to be used to buy back our stock. Okay. Been consistent over the last year and a half. I will be honest and tell you we have a ceiling for that, right? Like any company should. Um, and during that time of blackouts, we're prohibited from buying when the stock moves. But under blackouts, we can definitely change it. Um, and we have actually done that. Um, I'm going to turn that down. Sorry. Okay. In, in a successful way. The, the second is sales and marketing. We've increased our sales and marketing headcount by 35, 40% in the last 12 months. Gonna continue to do that. Matter of fact, today we had three new headcounts start in our sales and marketing team. So mm -hmm. we're continually committed to investing there as we see growth opportunities to put people on the ground here in the office and in the field where possible. Um, and then the third, we're not gonna stop continuing to look at M&A. There, there are opportunities out there for us. We've been on the short end of the stick several times, meaning valuations were too high. Yep. And we pull back. Um, we're patient there, right? You can look at our past deals. We, we do, you know, pretty conservative deals. Um, you know, we, we manage the, the cap chart and the balance sheet like it's our own. Yeah. And so we want to be very careful and practical about what we do, but we have a strategic part of our platform that's missing. And we're very focused on going after those components to round it out. What's, what's the biggest aspect that's missing right now? Um, we, we, in the communication space, we have news, um, events, virtual components, um, and part of the storytelling process. There are databases and analytic systems that need to go along with that. Um, th those are the things that will drive wallet share spend on private companies. Mm -hmm. Those are things that will make private companies stickier to us. And if you think about our client growth, that's the biggest area of growth. And we want to extend those LTVs significantly. So we've got to bolt in those components. Great news is we found some targets there that, that fit our criteria, uh, that fit our ecosystem very well. 
the teams in those organizations are, are aligned with our same strategies. So if we're successful doing those, it'd be perfect for our entire platform. Okay. Now going back to the buying back stock um, topic, yep. have, do, you, do you pay attention to the valuation of you know your own stock? So you're not buying back stock, say at a price that's too high when it might be a better use of capital to make an acquisition? And, and that's why there's a ceiling for it, right? right? Okay. We established a ceiling for obvious reasons. We, we want to maximize the buyback opportunity to get as much of this back as we can, right? So, so, but also keep in mind, we don't, and when we've done this, we've never been first to market on the open, right? Mm-hmm. You want to let the market set the price and be there to support it through the day blindly with your broker. We don't want to be the one pegging it every single morning, going out when the stock's 18 and buying up everything at 19, right? Right. There's a market free float at 18 and a quarter. We're there supporting and buying up like everybody else. So, um, you know, I, I, probably not the right thing to say, but we're not being greedy. We're being very patient there, right? And, and if shareholders and us together are the ones buying it, that's perfectly fine. All right, awesome. Now, the what what sort of day-to-day challenges or long-term challenges um, keep you up at night? Maybe some competitive threats that you have that, you know, you want to avoid. You know, what what do, what do you think about? Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not as concerned about competitive threats. We, we we tend to develop six to twelve months ahead of what we release. So we've got a lot of tech enablement here okay. that keep me comfortable. That if I saw something moving, we could jump ahead, right? And and thankfully today we're very fortunate. Our platform ID and our AccessWire brands have a lot of technology advancements than the competitor. So so I sleep well at night in that regard. Yeah. Um, so I guess what what stops. <clears throat> Excuse me. What stops a larger business from just replicating what you do? You know, I, I think there are some that are right, mm-hmm. and you know, they're they're not quite there, but they are making headway. You know, they're listening, they're watching, they're learning on their own, and and they're figuring it out. But but not all of them do. Let, let's take an iconic brand, right? And sure. there's a lot of discredit to them. They're they're a wonderful business. They're owned by a very smart individual, BusinessWire. Mm-hmm. They sell press releases. That's all they do. Yeah. It's all they've ever done. And they're really good at it. Like you can't, you can't knock them for it, right? In other words, we, you know, we'll give our competitor credit. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna discredit them. We'll give them credit. And, and we'll fight in the, in the trenches to try and win customers from them. And we don't win customers from BusinessWire because we have better editorial. It's not the case. We have right. equal editorial. We don't win from them because we have better distribution. We don't. We don't win from them because of price, right? Because people, you know, look, if you're a large enterprise using BusinessWire, the annual savings to you maybe thirty thousand dollars a year coming to access work. You're a four and a half billion dollar market cap. What's thirty thousand dollars, right? Right. We're winning there because of technology innovation and because we consolidate the functions. That's that's the competitive advantage against business wire, and and we stack ourselves up against each one of these companies the very same way. Cision and PR Newswire is another brand. Um, we're winning there. In Trada and Globe, we don't win as much because they've figured out how to build an ecosystem that's not necessarily similar to ours, but has kind of the same go-to-market advantages. Um, but again, I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over that, right? Competitive yeah. competition is healthy. It's a good thing. Um, I think, you know, what I um, lose sleep at night over is likely something, and I said this to my, my chairman back in April, is, is mental health, mm. right? It's the world that we live in now. Can you isolate your employees working from home, trying to help school their kids, still work all day and maintain some sort of normalcy, right? And, and thankfully, we've got a great group of 90 plus people. They're done well. Some of them are back to the office now, which is good. Um, but you have to wonder long-term, 
what kind of effects that has on them. So we're paying attention to that, right? I, I think in six months ago, we released a tutoring campaign here at the office. Huh. Folks were faced with kind of homeschooling their kids and working at the same time. So we hired a couple tutors and we gave our employees access to these tutors pretty much all day and night to be able to help their kids through history and math and sciences, right? Things that, you know, we all remember learning, but now that you're dealing with a seven-year-old or a 10-year-old at home, it's like, wow, I've forgotten some of these things. So right. having the tutor was, was nice. Um, you know, these are the kind of benefits that we want to provide our staff. And, and look, I mean, at the end of the day, they're the ones that get us to growth and continually help keep these customers loving us. So it's important to make sure we take care of them. So I'm always constantly thinking about that. So is, is there a certain kind of cultural fit that you look for when hiring? Um, yeah, there is. Yeah. Industry experience is not, um, it's a, it's a great benefit, but it's not an absolute or a requirement here when, when you're hired at Issue Direct. Um, you know, we, we need to make sure that our candidates understand we run the business like an entrepreneurial startup. We're not running like a big giant corporation because we're not, right? I mean, as much as it's flattering to say we had 20% growth last quarter, we're still relatively small, yeah. right? We're $16, 17000000 million business, right? And, and if we do well, we'll be at 18 to $20 million next year, whatever the number is. But it's a tiny company, right? And when you have sub-100 people, you, you need to have people working there that understand that, you know, we're not coming in at 9 o'clock and leaving at 5 o'clock. Right. You know, we're a work hard, play hard bunch. And you have to find somebody that prescribes to that. Yeah. And, and, and you can. Right. They're plentiful available. And we've got them coming in from from internships that stay um, from folks that are, that are graduates, didn't come through an internship program um, or people that came out of Cisco and IBM and some of the other Red Hat companies here in downtown. that are just looking for something different rather than a big company with a name. Interesting. How, how do you do you view the the, the runway <laughs> the runway for growth is, is pretty long in terms of you know being able to grow at double digits? I mean, you think in ten years from now that's still a possibility? You know, look, I mean, let's say for the next five years, yes, okay. easily. And at ten years, I don't know that I can predict out that. Far. Yeah, it's tough even to predict with certainty five years nowadays. Yeah, um, but in Newswire, let's just look at this for example. It's a six hundred plus million dollar market. And we're like one and a quarter, one and a half percent of the market. That's it. Right. Yeah. Right. And we're just dealing with North America. We haven't gotten out to the rest of the world to grow. The rest of these ancillary products that we talked about a few minutes ago that would round out our offering in combination with news, it's a two and a half billion dollar market. Interesting. Right? And, and so there's a lot of runway there, right? If, if I can get to, to three to five percent, as I've said, in Newswire over the next two years and drag along all these other new products, um, there's still a tremendous amount of upside over the next three years from there in, in a five-year view. So, yeah, we're confident of that. And, and that's why we've been very deliberate to start to tell people about this communication strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe maybe not the best analogy in the world, but what a sidecar business looks like to us, right? And a sidecar business is this communications platform or a compliance platform, rather. Sorry. Yeah. You know, we want to go in selling communications. And if a customer is public and they want that, we'll have it for them. Um, but we don't want to make that part of our, our go-to-market strategy and, and where we're building brand against. That makes sense. So let me ask you, the the fact that the, you have all this growth ahead of you, I mean, it seems like the, the the market multiple to, you know, say a measure like free cash flow seems might be on the lower side compared, you know, if, if all this works out, that's kind of a, you know, kind of a low valuation for the business. 
it, you know, it is. And it, it, I always let the market drive that, right? I, I, I will advocate to, to some of our shareholders that we have great relationships with, that we talk to often, that, that, that they, they prescribe to that same philosophy. And, and one would argue that we're significantly undervalued based on those fundamentals that you mentioned. And I, I'm in agreement with that. Um, I think a majority of our, our employee base that understands that is absolutely in agreement with that. Um, our management team, our board has good ownership in this company, right? I'm at 16 and a half percent. We're all, a quarter of the company's owned by insiders. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, and, and I think that we believe and prescribe and subscribe to that thought as well. Would, would you, if you had to choose between the stock trading at a lower multiple and assuming the business plan works out right mm -hmm. and you're able to buy back stock cheap or having the stock be more fairly valued and then have you know that additional option to use stock as currency with m a what's a better situation um I'm, you know look i'm 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 a sales guy at heart so yeah. both <laughs> okay I want, I want i want the low stock price today so i can buy back some yeah. And then I want to see the results of execution drive the value at the end. Um, you know, look, I think that, that that's an important thing for us. I, I'm not suggesting I don't want our shareholders to hold it. I want them to hold it too. But anybody that doesn't believe that, you know, the values of what we're willing to buy is worth it, then I'll take it. Right. Um, and we'll see it on the other side. And, and we've been very fortunate. We've got wonderful shareholders that, that subscribe and or prescribe rather to the same things. And they're there buying along with us. So... Um, it might make it tough with them with less than four million shares there. Now you don't have to answer this question, so but I'm going to ask you anyway. How much of your own personal net worth is in the company? I'll tell you. I have no problem telling people. Okay. I'll tell you, ninety-four percent. Okay, got it. So yeah, I mean, you're, you're, we'll, 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 we'll not include four hundred one k, right? Sure. We'll, no. No. Right. But yeah, I've got a little amount of money in the market. I was actually just joking with somebody earlier today that I, I seem to put it in SPACs lately. Um, you know, but I can't. That's a bad thing. That's, um, that's that's become a that this is that's been the year for SPACs this past year. You know, trend investing is not something I like to do. No, but, yeah. Um, you know, yes, everything else. Is the the Bill Ackman one's kind of interesting. The Pershing Tauntaun. It is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> have you read about that? Yes, I have. Yes, I actually was talking to somebody about that here today. <laughs> Interesting. What? Any any uh, thoughts of what he he might uh, do with that? You know, I don't. I I, I don't know. No. Yeah. No idea. Have you Have you ever met him? I have not. No. Okay. No, Brilliant guy. Yeah. Uh, briefly at the Berkshire Hathaway meeting. Okay. Are yeah. You, no. Have you ever been to Omaha for a Berkshire meeting? I have not. No. Come on, they're a competitor, man. That would be tough. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> It's a cool. I, it's a cool. It's a cool. It's a cool environment, though. I, say. I have employees that have been. We, we've got some of our sales team that spent some time at, at Business Wire, so okay. yeah, they, they have. They got pictures of them and Buffett. I mean, it's a it's a cool thing. It yeah. Really, yeah. Now, can you ever see um, a larger business ever buying your company at some point, or is that not really something you think about? Um. Obviously, you're not committing to anything. Yeah, I mean, but it, a philosophical conversation, yeah. right? I mean, it, it's, it's you should always kind of think about your exit back when you build something. I, I will tell you that when we did uh, build this business at the beginning, we, we thought that uh, companies like ComputerShare and uh, Broadridge would get into the space that we were in. And we were right. We pegged it. We just weren't the target for them. Right. Um, you know, so now that the business has evolved, look, I think that, there's not a newswire consolidation that's going to happen because there's four of us 
right? And there's no reason for the consolidation to occur at this stage. And I'm not sure they would be successfully done. Um, we've got a couple of ideas, you know, and okay. I don't know that it's worthy for me to, to talk about them at this stage. I, I would tell you that we are, you know, we're maybe in the second inning, okay. an extra innings baseball game going on. So I'm not worried about it, right? I, I've, I've said it in many of our earnings calls, what matters most is, is client acquisition, customer growth, right? It yeah. takes care of everything else. And we've got a long way to go. We have a, a new part of our platform to release. You know, we want to double, triple customers, increase ARPU, um, you know, get to this kind of three, five year execution and, and blow that away. And when that happens, it's going to come at us then. Um, I don't yeah. think it's going to come at us today unless something changes in the market for anybody. Yeah. Now, do you think, I, I, I think the answer is yes, but would you say that the investments that you make in technology, would you say that's a real, uh, like that you have a real R&D asset to, to you guys? Yeah, we do. We've capitalized some things in the past that we've done. And um, it, it's, uh, I think what's, what's the asset is the, is the, the capital, human capital that goes into it. Yeah. Right. In other words, let me let me give an example. Yeah, if, please. If we could figure out how to convert a document quicker in a web app that broadcasted to 25 different places at once, that made it significantly efficient and found engagement profiles through analytics mm -hmm. to, to a customer base, that human capital part of it is the value. Mm -hmm. right? The methodology of how we do it is the value. Right, the the Angular front end that we use and the and the SQL databases that we use in the back end, not a lot of value to that. So you, you'd see that we don't capitalize much anymore, right? Yeah, you know, we 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 straight line expense R and D. R and D cost is probably low, has been low for the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, will likely increase a couple percentage points here this year, because we want to be ready for this next round of integration and growth that we're going to have. Um, but yeah, it's 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 a human capital thing. That that's. I mean, if somebody understands that, that's the value for us. Yeah, it's so interesting. So would you say when you're spending money, whether it's on buybacks or an acquisition or some new technology, do you, do you look at some kind of like minimum IRR you're willing to accept? Are you able to get that precise when, when doing that or, or not really? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think we're there yet to, to be that precise. No, yeah. I mean, I, I would tell you that we 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 weigh everything. Somebody asked me the other day about this, about how you decide to build technologies. Is it just you know you sit in a room and put it on a whiteboard and go build it? Yeah, like, absolutely not. I mean, we did that ten years ago, right? But we don't do that today. We rely upon our staff to really bring back customer feedback, and we've got this little curation process that. You know, um, operations managers will bring it to senior management, we'll bring it to development, and we'll vet it through. We'll build mock-ups and build betas and go to customers with them. Mm -hmm. So I think that as we continue to do that, we're going to be able to measure it better. Um, and as we grow and scale it, I think then we can get to some of the some of the IRR a little bit better. Interesting. And, and right now, though, I mean, do you, do you have like um maybe like a, like a loose IRR that you think about, like oh, I need it. We need to do like 10 ish percent, 15 ish percent. Do, 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 you, do you think at all in terms of those? Yeah. 15 to 18%, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And interesting. What, okay. So let's say fast forward five years or even maybe 10 years to speculate in your perfect scenario of everything goes, you know, perfectly, which I you know it never does, but 
you know, if, if everything worked out exactly the plan, what, what does that look like for the business five to 10 years out? Um, that's a, that's an interesting way to, that's an interesting question, right? So you think five to 10 years, so I'm going to go stick with my five-year model because I think I need sure. to. Um, I, I think that when a brand thinks about telling their story, mm-hmm. we, we want a component of that from our ecosystem to be prevalent across all industries. We, we're not going to be, we're agnostic to what industries and sectors our customers are. We, we feel confident that we can, we can achieve that. Um, you know, we want to be, and I will tell you this from an analogy perspective, 15 years ago, one of my first hires said, what's, what's the goal for Issuer Direct? What, you know, what are, what are you going to be? What is this going to be? I said, we'll be downtown one day with our logo in the building and no one's going to know what the heck we do. Right. That was me being 35 years old, young and naive. Yeah. Right. So, you know, not, not to be cliche, we're downtown. We have a little building we're on the top of. Um, and people don't know who we are. So we've actually achieved that. So he said to me the other day, he's still here, by the way. He said, so what's next? I said, now we got to make sure that everybody looks at that icon. They know everything about who we are, and what we do. And, and that's probably the next piece of our growth strategy that we haven't hit our stride in yet. Okay. If you get outside of the microcap space, mm-hmm. 50-50, people know who we are. If you think about the millions of private companies, just less than 1% know who we are. Right. So we've got to do a better job there for us. I think if we can put ourselves in a position that someone thinks of us as a communications household name in this world that we live in, then that's success for us. Right. And, and that's what we're looking to achieve. It might be the, you know, the hairy audacious goal that some people have, but I truly think that we can get to that point. Um, you know, how that looks five years from now as a company and a brand, it may be different. Right. right? Today we operate two separate ones and that's fine for right now. Yeah. Now what, now, what would have to go like wrong for this business not to work out? Do you so, think about, I'm, I'd imagine you do think about that too. I do. You know, I think we're very well insulated. Let's use some examples, right? When, when Twitter and the, and the SC, when Reed Hastings at Netflix used Twitter as their kind of fair disclosure kind of push out of information, the SEC tried to smack his hand and say, you can't do this. We all know what happened. Twitter became an FD product that companies could use. And everybody in the communications yeah. industry said the news world's dead. The news world has actually grown since then. Interesting. So it's not dead, right? Yeah. And we analyzed that before we actually got into the news business as a, as a significant investment. So we, we knew what we were getting into, so to speak. Um, you know, conversely, though, you can't say that for disclosure, right? There, there's not, number of public companies are shrinking, not growing, right, in, in mass, um, absent of the SPAC side. Um, so there's really not a market of growth or expansion there. So for us, we really had to look at those types of things as what, are the, what did the market tell us? right? Is there something that can go wrong? So we feel like in news, it's insulated. Um, I would tell you this generationally, probably for the next five or 10 years, you're not going to see a shift in the way earnings gets reported, right? Your your audience, myself, yourself, and and millions of other people still want to go to their stock app to get news. They still go to Bloomberg. They'll go to Yahoo Finance, right? They're still going to listen to an earnings call webcast, that's not going to change. And it's very difficult to take, to say to a CFO um, of a mid large cap or even small cap, Hey, you're going to distribute your earnings on YouTube today because the marketing kid down the hall is going to show you how to do this. I mean, the marketing kid down the hall can do it and they likely could probably do it really well. But the reality is, is that for that CFO, that's the most important thing that he has to do. Right. at that time. So convincing him that doing something different than he's doing today, not going to happen, 
right? So I, th I feel like that we're insulated, right? So we think through this three to five, uh, as we like to talk about, there's not gonna be any disruption there. However, we're already building tech to think about that, right? In other words, I'll give you a great example and I'll, I'll I know I don't wanna be too long-winded, I'm sorry. No, it's pl please. But um, if, if you scheduled the follow-up call with a CEO or CFO after earnings, Mm -hmm. it's painful. Like it's painful for the investor. Forget about the C-level executive because it, it's their job, right? right but right. For, as an investor, you generally go through the IR channel to say, hey, I listened to the call. I want to talk to the company. Let's, for example, you want to talk to me. Yeah. yeah. You're going to go to our IR council and he's going to say, what times work? And you're going to give him some times and he's going to come back to me and we're going to play this game back and forth in email, which is entirely frustrating for everybody, right? And eventually probably within a couple of hours, after nine emails between all of us, we figured out a time that works and we get this calendar invite. It goes into your phone, into your computer, and off we go and talk the next day, whatever it is. So we, we study things like this and we try to say, what is the trend that's going to happen? And no disrespect to the IR community, but there are tools and technologies that can, can fix that problem, right? Mm. So can we build tools and technologies that's bolted into our platform that gives you the ability to minute the call, earnings call is done, that you can click a button and have a calendar invite for you and I to talk. And nobody had to get involved in that. That's awesome. Sufficient, right? I'm getting, I'm getting a really bad echo. I don't know. I, 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 can, I, no, let's see. No, it's like, it's very, it's very bad. The echo right now. Hmm. Hmm. I don't, did you change anything on your end? I did not. No. Huh? Oh, it's better now. That's weird. Anyway, okay. yeah. Go okay, good. You're on mute now. There you go. Yep, technology. Um, that's a that's a cool that's a really cool idea. Yeah. So the, these, I mean, I'm a tech guy at heart, so I love stuff like this. But you got to build it to the market problem, right? We started the business because we wanted to solve issues for people, right? It's as simple as that. I, I would, you know, 15 years ago, can I make your financial reporting process easier? I'll build tech, we'll go do it. Now it's about studying all of these little things that people do, mm -hmm. trying to figure out ways to improve it. And if we can continually add that to the platform and I won't be looking for money from people, right? It's just the stickiness that they can't leave, right? And, and so we, we think about it in the ways that we are, we're a public company. If, if myself and Steve, my CFO, found value to a platform like this, that I can tell my story, comply, communicate, book meetings, go to events, right? We haven't talked about that, the virtual events business, and have an archive and an analytic of all of this engagement. Honestly, the money factor goes away. It dissipates significantly, right? Because yeah. then six, eight, ten, twelve thousand dollar number all of a sudden doesn't seem so bad. And so we we get we get power there, right? And if I can have power there, we'd be looking at fifteen thousand plus ARPU spends from these customers and they're getting a tremendous amount of value from the platform. And that's that's the goal for us, right? That's where we're headed. So interesting. So interesting. Um, anything else that we haven't covered that you think is worth talking about? We've talked about quite a bit. We did. Yeah, I, I can't. Um, I can't think of anything. Yeah. All right. Well, probably. Probably. When, when are you going to report Q4 numbers? <laughs> well, when are you? March fourth. Okay. Yeah. Well, this will certainly be published before March fourth. Yeah, absolutely. That will give that will give everybody an opportunity to 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 know at least when it's coming. 
All right. And for people who want to learn more about the business or want to learn more, either get in contact with you or get in t- contact with your IR department, what's what's the best way to reach out to the company or learn more about the business? Yeah, I, it's it's really easy. Um, myself, I'll get, rather than spelling the name so it's not so difficult, I'll use my initial BRB at issuerdirect.com. Our IR folks, IR at issuerdirect.com. You could go online to read about us at issuerdirect or AccessWire. Um, to learn more about the product. And for those listening and want to run a press release, you can go online and register for an account and do that yourself as well. Easy. Okay. How much does it cost to do a press release? I mean, you could do it as cheap as $159 and all the way up to $6,000, depending on your distribution. Hmm. The low end gives you online and the, the, the extreme end of distribution gives you global distribution. All right, cool. Well, Brian, it was a pleasure to... Uh actually connect and i've been a big fan of yours for a few years so it's it's nice to actually talk to you it's a pleasure i appreciate you taking the time eric i'll talk to you soon all right take care take care now thank you for listening to the intelligent investing podcast with eric schlein if you'd like to connect with eric for questions comments feedback ideas or to inquire about being on the show please contact eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com so in the words of charlie munger i have nothing to add